Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to a new episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Adam McKay to my Will Ferrell. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, mediocre. Mediocre? Just feeling, feeling all right? Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. And our gir- that's the only thing we can produce. Mediocrity. Really? Is that it? I have a fun... I don't know if you, like, know where I'm going in the money zone today, but that's, like, a funny preview. Okay. And our very our very own Galifianakis. That's right. It's Eric Ronovic. Eric, how are you? I'll take it. I'm great. Uh, you know, I got to do a spec ad for someone. Guys, I love the taste of pho. Isn't it so good? The spec ad is just generally for pho? No, it's because Charlie said he listens to the show. Back to you, Nathan. <laughs> I really like my spring rolls. Okay, uh, get me a Vietnamese sandwich. I just thought it was weird that you advertised, like, you said, I, I'm going to For do weeks a I've been ad. telling Charlie, like, oh yeah, I'll drop something for you on the podcast, and I forgot. So, I like how you dropped uh, it. Unlike in the, Charlie, not a lot of great defense in the I game. I like how you dropped game. it in the first minute so that he can just listen to the first minute and then shut it off. Wow. Gosh. What, what yeah, but then he'll miss here? what we talk about in the money zone about him. Yeah, maybe. Nice, nice try. Nice, Kevin, nice Kevin tried tease, to do Kevin. a teaser, but it's not going to work. Okay, here now we go. I'm going to say something just to throw you off. You've nah. now created a mission for you me. You never talk during the money zone. That's my part of the podcast. <laughs> okay, so the Seahawks this week. You maybe might have we'll go back and re-record over it just to take me out. You, I see how it is. You, uh, you, you might have heard uh, that this week the Seahawks played the Lo- Los Angeles Rams, and uh, they gained a thirty to twenty, thirty to twenty-nine. Did I get that right? Boy, it's been 11 days. 31. 31, 30? 29. 31, Dude, I feel like I should record this part, but now I got to keep it because I'm an old man who forgets everything and you, everyone must <laughs> Show know. Show your age, Nathan. 31, 29. Oh, no, 30 to 29, you're right. Yes, I was right. Yes. <laughs> when Kevin Kevin's the old 30, one. <laughs> when Kevin said 31, 29, I was like, that's right. Oh, so, so yeah, we're all. So you guys were wrong and I was right? Sure. I'm going to be- bask in the glow. We're definitely keeping it now. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, the Seahawks took the victory, 30 29. Um, couple things. One, I don't think that we have to sweat this victory out at all if they just let Tedrick run back his amazing interception and get the extra 20 yards we'd need to get into field goal range. Fine, whatever. But it was a really exciting game, a really great way to feel it. And I think it, what's awesome is nobody gets more excited at the end of close games like this than Pete Carroll. Yeah. The way he just like so jumps up and for? down and like he does like a, a freaking cartwheel and stuff. It's like yeah, big Papa Pete was happy. He's so funny at the end of these games. So I loved it. I was so excited, so pumped. Just a just a, a crazy end to a pretty insane game. So yeah, as I finished my second container of Pepto, I was uh, I was really happy to be able to celebrate the victory at the end there. Okay, let's start on offense and let's start with the biggest play of the game, Kevin. You were probably five tums deep at this point. Uh, Tyler Lockett, tiptoe catch, corner of the end zone. Joe Joe Buck thought they threw it away. I'm just to everyone who added us on Twitter that was like that was just a throwaway. They got lucky. I'm, I'm I've watched a lot of Russell Wilson games, and if you think that you are dumb, because Russell Wilson can throw a football a lot farther than that. He was aiming for a spot. Yeah, he could yes. hit the third balcony if it's, he wanted to. It's, yeah. it's a spot that it's a spot that is very unlikely to result in a catch. Um, I think we've all heard by now, six point three percent chance of play according to NFL Next Gen stats. Uh, but guess what? He hit a spot, and uh, well, we saw what happened. So you're telling me six point three percent of the time it works every time? Correct, Eric. Erica, what did what did you what did you think? So going into it, I won. Yeah, like everyone in this room. We knew it wasn't a throwaway in our Patreon thread. <clears throat> Josh maybe said that was a throwaway. I just wrote no. Um, I thought <laughs> I thought maybe I would have expected Shoddy's wife to know better. I'll say this: I didn't think it was a catch until uh, the announcer. I think Jill Buck went nuts. I was like, oh wow, did he actually catch that? 
Uh, it's kind of like I was there in the crowd reaction because no one knew for sure until you realized that Tyler Lockett came down with the ball. It seems so unlikely because obviously the throw is amazing, but let's give Tyler Lockett some credit there to to actually have the literal tiptoes in. I mean, Tyler Lockett, he's uh, a lot was put on him when Doug Baldwin retired. It was kind of like, okay, we know how good you are, but now you really have to prove it. And he's a number one. It was really awesome to see. Yeah, the timing on that catch was what was really impressive to me because he had to commit to leaning out over the sideline before the ball was on top of him. So that meant he knew exactly when it was going to hit so that he could keep that extension and keep his feet in bounds. That was really impressive because if I remember correctly, it was Eric Weddle that was on him. Yep. So this was a quality defender that was all over him. And... Russ put it in a spot where either a defender is going to get to it out of bounds or maybe his guy can make a play on it. And he went to his most trusted guy. Lockett is Mr. Reliable. Um, yeah, Tyler Lockett, four receptions, 51 yards, touchdown, uh, three first downs. The Back to his normal, what we expect, 158.3. Perfect QB rating on passes, targeting Tyler Lockett. And he wasn't the only one that had a great game. Uh, Will Disley went four catches for Four to, on four targets for 81 yards, three first downs as well. Um, DK Metcalf got another touchdown, two catches, 44 yards. I'm putting up quite a rookie season, DK Metcalf. Um, let's let's do the DK Metcalf watch. Uh, Kevin, or let's no start with Eric. Eric, DK Metcalf, better, worse, or pretty much exactly what you expected? Better because when we drafted him, this is what I what I probably expected. But then reality set in. Preseason came in. And I was like, you know what? He's a rookie receiver. He fell in the draft. Seahawks aren't going to pass the ball a lot. Give this guy a lot of slack. So that's why he's better. He's, I don't know, is he the number two on the team? There are times where he's showing his... I think his, Will Disley's the number two wide receiver yeah, right well, now, honestly. Will Disley's already a veteran in year two. Yeah. I mean, uh, right now, DK Metcalf's on pace for 854 yards and six touchdowns. I think if you, if I asked you before the season started... Hey, if DK Metcalf gets 854 yards and six touchdowns, how do you feel? It I think feels he, so good. Yeah, you'd been ecstatic for that, right? Yeah, and I'll say this about DK Metcalf. For every, I don't know if he makes bonehead mistakes, but, you know, maybe not running super great routes over the middle or um, or maybe stopping short of the ball or, you know, maybe overextending. He's kept the ball out of the defender's hands a couple times and – He's yeah, no, he's not ever been surprised to see the ball. No drops, no fumbles, yeah. and I mean he's yeah you're right. He's broken up a couple passes that probably would have been picks if if he. Uh, I mean, if he does that his whole career, I will have no complaints about that guy. Twelve of his catches have gone for two touchdowns and nine first downs. Kevin DK Metcalf, watch. How do you feel? I feel like his counting stats are about where I thought they would be. He's got twelve catches for two sixty seven, a couple of touchdowns. Uh, he's shown himself to be a deep threat. The two things that are surprising me is, number one, the way he's able to be used in the offense. We talked about it a little bit last week. Um, lining up in the slot often enough to force teams to realize he's going to do that. Um, yeah, and he lines up in the, both sides. He lines up in the slot a little over 10% of the time, uh, 50, like 12 to 15% of the time. Which is 12 to 15% more than we thought he was going Correct. to. Correct, yeah. Which is... Really cool. And it says something about the coaching staff. Remember, this is the staff that didn't want to put more in the slot because they didn't know if he could handle it. I also feel like his route running, I mean, we weren't as down on it as some other people, but I feel like he's exceeded our expectations there too. Um, I do wish that he would pull in more of the balls that he gets his hands on, and that's the part that's maybe a little bit surprising. 
but overall his stats are about where I expected, but I feel like his game and development are ahead of where I anticipated. And that makes me excited to see what kind of November, December DK Metcalf is going to be. And Jaron Brown got four targets, two catches, picked up 36 yards. We're going to pretend the fumble didn't happen because we're Jared Brown fans on this podcast. <laughs> but However, uh, that's another thing that would have happen. made this not seem so close at the very end. Right. Would have been if we didn't fumble the first drive inside the 40-yard line and allow them to get a field goal. Luke Wilson got another catch. I think we all agree he's – as a receiving tight end in this offense, he's a very valuable piece that really we got for nothing. You know, we he's, got we got a fifth round pick to have Luke Wilson. Yeah, we got it for come a negative and, fifth round pick. Exactly. We we received a fifth round pick to get Luke Wilson, who has instantly been more effective than Vanette in the passing game. And we don't lose much in the blocking game because we still have the greatest blocking tight end of all time, George Fant. And then the greatest offensive tackle of all time, Will Disley. So it doesn't really matter. Like it would, it's been a wash in the in the run blocking department. We got the reverse of Fetty because I'll give anyone a fifth round pick if they'll take a Fetty. <laughs> <laughs> you want to use the fifth round pick we got for Luke Wilson? I mean Nick Vanette. to give up to get rid of a Fetty. Name your price. We'll take trade you a fifth and a Fetty for all a right, six. Let's talk. Let's talk about the offensive line since you brought it up, Eric. Fetty allowed six pressures. Eupati allowed five. Um, just those two guys were kind of a tire fire, but that wasn't the story. The story was DK, D, DJ Fluker, a team talisman, and I think everyone's like favorite Seahawk. Nine snaps into the game, goes down with an injury, and in comes Jamarco Jones. And um, I think that most people probably had tempered their expectations, and uh, rightfully so. Jamarco Jones kind of had a dumpster fire combine and wasn't really like a heralded prospect. But I think we enjoyed him in the preseason as a year before he got hurt. We right. were pretty high on him in the podcast. Yeah, we thought like he might be might be decent, but I don't think we expected a performance a like this. A pluggable piece. A guy who, who all games stood up to Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald one-on-one over and over again, especially against Brockers. He ate Brockers' lunch. Like He made that guy look bad. And that guy's not a that guy is a very good defensive tackle. Not Aaron Donald good, but very, very talented. And so I was like really, really into it. And he'd um what he lacks in like raw athleticism and movement skills, he more than makes up for it with just like functional interior leverage. And it's kind of like Brit. We've revitalized someone's career by moving them to a better position. And it's very exciting. It's like it's uh, good coaching. It's good coaching, which is uh, something I don't I don't get to say often about Seahawks offensive line coaches <laughs> after the Tom Cable era. So I'm really excited about Jamarco Jones. What do you see from Jones, guys? Um, first of all, I want to flash forward to the end of the game where Pete Carroll just talked about DJ Fluker's huge hamstring. I don't know if you caught that over and over. I mean, uh, guy. I mean, it's a. I mean, it's got to be a huge hamstring. It's got. It's got to be. A I mean, it, it does though. DJ, yeah. the team. The DJ Fluker might be the most popular guy in the Seahawks. He was you guys talking. Also, DJ Fluker, <laughs> professional large human. People just effing love DJ Fluker. Can you blame them? He seems great. Yeah, he's like yeah. the teddy bear of the team. No, uh, Jones. Here's the thing. Was he in the video where they uh, mocked the Ciara video? Yeah, and it, yeah. Oh yeah, he he called and then that video that video where uh, where Cable Thanos played uh Smash Bros against Russell Wilson. DJ <laughs> Fluker was there and DJ Fluker made Russell Wilson's name on the screen Ciara's boo. <laughs> Which is DJ Fluker just seems funny. He just seems like a cool guy. I'm a, I'm a fan. He's kind of he's got some real rob in him. Yeah, he's a good he's a good dude to have around. Um, I'll say this about Jones. Jones made it seem seamless. Uh I, I didn't realize Fluker had gone down until I should say that Fluker was out until probably the second drive Jones was in, um, I'm, I'm impressed. It's also a, a side of the line that we need a little more help on. 
Um, I, I have nothing more to say about <laughs> Jones. I like that you use this as an opportunity to take another shot at a Fetty. Shots all day. I took <laughs> I took a season off. You forget this, Nathan. Last season, he got so much praise from me. You know me. I'm really down on someone, and if they earn my respect, I'll eat crow all day. I like being wrong. Not wrong about you, a Fetty. So anyway, yeah, Jones, I have nothing more to say. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, Kevin, do you have any like special breakdown numbers on Jamarco? Uh, as far as statistics, I don't have a lot. I mean, I do. He, he allowed no pressures. He allowed zero pressures, which is amazing. He had one penalty, and it was received a received a, a staggeringly one. high run block grade of eighty three point three from fo- Pro Football Focus, best on the team, and and one of the best performances of the entire season. The thing that I noticed most was his handwork. Mm-hmm. His handwork was top shelf. He had he was sudden. Like they talk about, you know, firing out of the holster. You know, he had his hands in a ready position. The ball was snapped, and he was able to fire into the chest of a defender. There was there were multiple plays where you saw him controlling Aaron Donald with one arm. That just that's not a thing. Yeah. What about like you that? Don't do that. The Aaron Donald tried the the slap move on him, and he just like was like, Nah, chief, this yeah, ain't just, it. <laughs> he had him with one arm, and he slapped for the one arm, and so he just put he that really, down. He put and the next hand up. Yeah, exactly. And just like it was like uh, slow motion e Honda. He's like he's like Aaron. That ain't that ain't the one, bro. That ain't the one. You're yeah, not congratulations. Gonna... I, I, you broke the mic. Let me yeah. show you the backup. So, so if Fluker's good to go next week, uh, our guard configuration should be Fluker and Jones. There's just no doubt in my mind. Eopati kind of had a bad game. Five hurt. Five pressures allowed. Uh, three penalties. Kind of a bad game. He had an awful game. Eopati really fell victim to just about every stunt they I mean, threw he's out. The, he's, would have had to have a better game in order to have a bad game. He's the reason Aaron Donald had such a great game. Is almost every Aaron Donald pressure came against lining up straight across from Eopati. And now, one of the Brockers pressures. One Brockers yeah. pressure came against Fluker, and the other one came against Eopati. Uh, body yeah so you it's just it's just trouble uh and we i think that jones has really you know that that's his coming out performance good for him like that's awesome we need the help in the that's trial line. by fire for sure and yeah we put him against some good dudes and he stood up to them so um i'm excited i'm excited about the the, the beginning of the jamarco jones era quietly i also really like the game that Dwayne brown had he's been struggling with a few nagging injuries and it's been showing a little bit he's had a little bit of trouble kind of getting um to the outside you've noticed a little extra in the run game too where he's maybe not finishing blocks quite the same way you could tell he was a little hurt he seemed to be doing better this game i thought he was finishing his blocks a little bit stronger which is a really really big plus if we have a fully healthy Dwayne brown moving forward and we can get any type of improved production along the rest of the line, then we have a really, like, a genuinely above-average line. Yeah. I mean, so then the Seahawks run game, uh, since we talked about the big boys up front, um, Chris Carson's who you got to talk about, right? The 116 yards after contact on 27 attempts, 118 yards in total. Those six um, avoided tackles, that's sick. Eight, eight first downs, yeah. Six Congratulations on holding on to the ball in a new fashion that is keeping it into your body. Yeah, he's he's really like he's adjusted. Of, we yeah. noticed that first game where he was holding the ball and up be a honest, little higher. Having it, Penny there to spell him makes me feel confident, right? Like, yeah. does it make you feel confident? Penny got a couple catches too. Looks looks good in space. Penny had a really nice catch down the sideline, uh, kind of in crunch time. He had that one where uh, Russell kind of flipped it out to him, and Akib Talib was holding him, and he just kind of trickled down the sideline and it was funny because the announcers called it a lazy release and i think it's that whole thing where 
Penny always looks like he's running slower than he is. And then you see him go just like scoot past a dude. You're like, oh, he doesn't look like he's running that hard. Except he's like gaining ground on that DB. There are only two players in the NFL with more avoided, uh, running backs in the NFL with more avoided mm-hmm. tackles than Chris Carson right now. Can you name those? Can you name those running backs, Eric? I bet you can. Zeke. No. Nope. Oh, I don't. I don't. Alvin, Alvin Kamara, Kamara and uh, Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Yeah, uh, I always forget Christian McCaffrey is a uh, is a running back because he's a he wide catches the ball so much. Back. Yeah, he's he's uh, then the Lev Bell's right behind those t- the, those guys. So Chris Carson, all the running has, back receivers. Yeah, Chris Carson has really stepped it up into uh, kind of an elite category of of running back right now. And if he can keep the fumbles under control, he belongs in the t- in the top five, top ten conversation. I think in terms of best running backs in the entire NFL, he's really hard to bring down. He, the The biggest c- criticism I have of him is that he doesn't break a ton of huge runs. Uh, like the longest run in this game was 14 yards, but Penny can make up for that. That's the that's our home run hitter. We don't need Chris Carson to uh-huh. home runs. We need him to, to make people regret tackling him and move the chains. Well, I think it'd yep. be really nice for this team to get a, a blowout victory. The sooner the better, so we can have Penny in for a whole quarter. Give Chris just a little bit of a rest. Uh, show show us a a a near full quarter of Rashad Penny. Where we don't need to go with Chris Carson over and over again. I think it'd be good for Penny. I think it'd be good for this offense. We got six carries coming off an injury. I wouldn't be surprised to see if it's more like in the eight to twelve carries with a couple of catches in there. Twelve would be nice. I feel like eight is just to be a funny guy. Eight is just two more. <laughs> well, we did thirty-three uh, rushing attempts on the game, so it was a pretty run-heavy offense. Okay, let's. Let's talk about the one guy on offense that we haven't talked about yet, and it was the best guy, the guy who uh, makes everything happen, the best quarterback in the NFL, the MVP, I'm starting it now, the MVP, Russell Wilson, and I'm just going to give you one Russell Wilson stat, and you guys can follow up with whatever you want, but on passes that traveled over 20 yards in the air in this game, 5 for 5, 146 yards, two touchdowns, and a perfect 158.3 rating. One of my biggest pet peeves is people say Russ can't throw the deep ball, and I don't understand it at all, and I never have, and I've fought against it for years, and I'm going to keep fighting this fight. Russell Wilson is the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. Not close. Um, he, He throws beautiful long passes. He can put balls in spots on long passes that no one else can. He threw it off the moon one time, and it went into Tyler Lockett's hands against the Chiefs. People forgot, I guess. But I don't know. I don't know how much evidence you need that Russell Wilson is the is a great deep ball thrower. I love that but. in the Sunday night game when people were like, when have we seen someone do what Patrick Mahomes does? And we're like, Thursday? Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> this morning when the Deshaun Watson. Like that. That's the thing that annoys me is that there are three guys right now, I think, operating on a very high level. Okay. Uh, and in terms of like quarterbacks that have movement. And it's uh, Pat Mahomes, uh, the golden boy. Uh, Deshaun Watson, who gets a lot of credit, but I think not enough, and and right, and then he Russell, doesn't get enough credit for his arm, that's for sure. And Russell Wilson, and those those three guys, and you know, Russ is the elder statesman of that group. He should be the one that's getting the most uh, publicity, but it just feels like uh, Mahomes kind of took a spot. Luckily for us, uh, it seems like the NFL figured out Andy Reid a few weeks earlier than usual this year because <laughs> they looked horrible against Indianapolis, and I'm not confident in them moving forward just because Andy Reid, like once teams figure him out, it. He struggles to adjust, and the team starts to kind of. It just takes a that step back. That buy can't happen soon enough. Yeah, oh, he wait. he he uh he's like the kind of guy he gets ahead of everyone else. He comes out with a good plan. They usually get off to a hot start, and I'm like scared now because if the hot starts over already, they might be like ten and six, and 
not you know what I mean? Not didn't you not choose them to be ten and six? Didn't I, you pick? Them I did pick them to be ten yeah. and six. Maybe year. maybe you're maybe you're onto something. So so I think that that's just uh, maybe they figured my read. All right, guys, what's your what are your, what are your thoughts about Russell Wilson or some stats? Kevin, go. You can go first. All right, so I also wrote down the deep ball number because five for five for one forty six is dumb. Like that that's a stupid stat. That's like the stat I would get in NCAA fourteen. <laughs> that's that's not real. Uh, the other thing. Um, under pressure, nine for thirteen for one forty-eight, eleven point four yards per attempt, and two touchdowns. Like that's also dumb. And you hit the one, you hit the thing I was gonna say if no one said it. So good, good job by you. And then six for seven for hundred and one against the blitz. So this dude was getting chunk yardage um, in situations where normally you can't. So on pressure plays, he's getting a first down per attempt. That's hey, dumb. His uh his his quarterback rating when blitzed in this game one fifty eight point three. For those that don't know, that's perfect. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing is Russell Wilson. The way that he can protect his line this year, he's a lot more careful. You don't see him running into the sack very often. He's playing, um, he's playing a smart brand of football. He's kind of evolved in a way where. With the exception of pressing at the end of the New Orleans game, we have not seen bad drives out of him. He's making the throws. And one of the big difference makers is he's always been a guy that can punish the blitz. And when you punish the blitz, you take something off of the offensive line because now you're asking, you know, you're five to block four. And that's helpful. The the blitz, they blitz 10 times in this game. Russell Wilson got a first down on seven of those blitzes. That's pretty insane yes that's, that's uh his adjusted completion percentage is 85.7 percent uh or that's just he just had an insane game all right eric what what are you thinking about russ right now russ is uh with what kevin was saying about how he's looking a little more mature i feel like russ has a little bit more of a pocket than he's ever had he's also not having to run 20 yards back they're not hiking the ball really far deep for him they're not starting under center and making him take a seven step drop this they're playing shotgun yeah Weird, ima- right yeah. imagine this this is the year that we actually got to see the so russell wilson minding his tackles yeah so here's, the, here's the thing man okay is and this, eric you're on this because like you said, they're not making him take a seven-step drop. This is perfect. Because if you're five foot ten, like Russell Wilson, you That's, don't want to start under center where you can't see. You, then you're going to have to run way far back to see. You start in the shotgun. And with seven steps at that size, I'm sorry, I take seven steps. That's a long seven steps. Russ has taken a lot of seven steps. He's a small dude. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not a joke. But also... If you notice, he's His taking. Fitbit's going wild. <laughs> the, the, the five steps is not enough. His legs are too no, small. No, he just. That's a that's a Terry Bradshaw thing. I you should know, have it's said. Only two more steps. Hey, they, this guy's got to take fifty steps back. Uh, <laughs> he is. He's taking the smart sack. That's something that I want to give him credit for. He's not fumbling the ball. He's not being stubborn. He sees the sack. He's taking it. We're seeing more designed runs. I'd say we're probably forty yards less a game of perfect Russell Wilson we want to see. And I only say that because he's not throwing for 300 every game. And I just, you know, I'd really like to see that a little more just because I love Russ and I want more of him. Well, and uh, really quickly, because you touched on it and it made me think of it. I was thinking about this during the game. Russell Wilson is running a lot more than he has the last two seasons, but he's running a lot differently than he did early in career. So early in career, the play would break down, and he would bust out and uh, break off a big, long run. Now you see a lot more uh, eyes downfield, letting the play develop, and then taking these little chunk plays. So instead of a check down, it's like his legs are a check down. 
He's using it as an extra check down option to pick up six yards here, seven yards there. And so we're not seeing him break off these crazy long run all, runs all the time. But instead what we're seeing is a consistent yardage option that the defense has to take into consideration. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he like watched some some Patrick Mahomes tape in the offseason, to be honest with you, and said, like, hey, I can do almost all of these things. Why, know, why, why am I not doing these things? He's got a crew of people. He's got a strength coach. He's got his personal chef. You know this guy has a team of... He's got a recovery water guy. Of, yeah, a, a, a eat-the-ball guy. Mi- no, those micro-bubbles, dude. Micro-bubbles. I feel like Russell Wilson should never be able to allow to get a roughing the passer penalty because the micro-bubbles... They, it's, a, it's a competitive it's super vitamins i'll say this that super vitamins russ has Don't tell the rest that it'll actually happen look at poor cam russ has a whole team of people helping him get better that aren't related to the seahawks and i would not be surprised if there was some sort of you know shaman who basically came in and said hey you know if you did this imagine you could you could up your game 0.7 percent he'd be like i'm on it <laughs> i'm on it okay Ready for defense? Okay. Of All right, Eric, you go first. Who is your favorite defensive player oh, in this game? Oh, man. On the I'm spot. Get, I'm giving you first seeds. I'm giving you, like, the first draft pick. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to give you the layup because I think there's a there's kind of an easy choice. Uh, I think it's Redemption Tedrick Thompson. Oh, I like it. You went off grid. I, I, I got to go off grid. It. Just because, as I said earlier, I'm the guy that if you piss me off enough, I'm going to go after you over and over because, you know, we all have a job to do. If you're not If you're not good at your job find someone else to do the job. That's how I feel at work. That's how I feel watching the Seahawks. Tedder Thompson is a guy that I was pretty excited for before the season began. I don't know how great he is. We all know how much I love Earl, but Earl's no longer here. Tedrick has had ups and downs. I think more downs are coming. I think more ups are coming. And a redemption game by Tedrick against, let's face it, the perceived best in the West, this was an awesome game. Uh, he saved it for us. Uh, one thing I do want to say about this game, a lot of people are saying, you know, Seattle escaped by the skin of their teeth. They almost didn't deserve to win this. The Rams didn't deserve to win this either. There were mistakes on both sides. There were little things that it could have swung either way. Tedrick Thompson making that amazing catch with his fingertips. He deserved it. Good for you, T. Yeah, Tedrick Thompson, I think, uh, Thomas, has Thomas, his, Earl Thomas. He has really established, have established himself as like a guy, uh, like a guy who we can trust to be good. Not, he's not going to be great. Although he did make an amazing play in this game. He did also, he also did a, like miss a bad tackle. And so like, you know, there was goods and bads. Yeah, and he but, almost allowed that one Cooper cup completion that would have gone like for eternity. Yeah. But so like he goods and bads, but he honestly is like, I think just super trustworthy, super steady. Um, I think he's going to be Seahawks for a really long time. You know, just, he, sometimes he'll start, sometimes he won't. Maybe he'll fall into like a like a background role, Babino role. Yeah, where he's just playing special teams and, and doing other stuff. But like, he's just a really solid player. Like he's Eric a guy said. that wants it though, and a guy who's always aware. He's just a little out of position sometimes. Like you yeah. said, the he, the near Cooper Cup grab. I think that was the drop I was talking the, about earlier. Yeah, that was. It, a it's drop. a. It's a. It's going to happen. Another thing, too, about Tedrick is that he was such a ball hawk in college that it weirds me out that he's not more uh, making more plays like the one we saw in this game. So it might be like a cla- like classic, like he was young and overthinking it, and that it, that play where he made right there, that's like the dam breaking. And all of a sudden, he's going to be back to what he used to be. Well, and I think when he came onto the Seahawks, you obviously are being taught an NFL game. You're being slowed down, readjusted. He's probably not comfortable. 
And maybe, like you said, maybe now he's going to start getting comfortable. He was out of position in, what, week two on that amazing non-interception that we were so mad about. Uh, there's there's room for improvement with Tedrick, but at the same time, just my hat's off because this is he deserved that pick in a few ways. All right, Jadavian, mine's Jadavian. I'm taking Jadavian Clowney. I thought that's who we were going to take for sure. Yeah. Jadavian Clowney is a literal wrecking ball. I don't understand how we got him for so little. Um, I love Jacob Martin. Jacob Martin's cool, but Bill O'Brien sucks. <laughs> but I mean, geez, that is a that is quite the fair point, Kevin. Do it, do what it takes to get this guy into your camp, man. Because this guy, make him happy because he's so freaking good. Uh, six six pressures, two run stops, and just an, an overall wrecking ball day. The thing I like about Jadavian Clowney is he do- doesn't seem to make many mistakes, and his head is always on a swivel. He's he's always in the play where like. Other guys might um, like lose track of what's going on and not be sure. He's always like aware of where the quarterback is, aware of where where the play is going, and like able to like you know get his big big arms up there because he's like long, super long arms, uh, just trying to knock down passes and stuff and mess up passing lanes and that's that kind of stuff matters. Those little things um, they add up over the course of a season, and he's he's always in every single play. He's got that Bobby Wagner thing where you see his jersey in every play. Like at the end of the play, he's always somewhere in there. He's noticeable. It's funny. We'll we'll rewatch the games, and I know Kevin will. I'll say, "How do you think Collier did?" And Kevin will say, "I watched every snap Collier played." And this is what I think. With Clowney, you don't really have to look for him. He's always there. Dude jumps off the tape. Did I you, mean, being an athletic marvel does that for Did him. you watch every Collier snap in this game? We all did. <laughs> all zero. All zero of them. All right. So I'm going to cheat because I always do on this stuff like this. Uh, I will take the defensive interior, especially Alwoods. Yeah. So Alwoods in run defense was, uh, he was the earth. So, you know, he just stopped everything. He like he was the turf monster. They really like pressed him to like play only early downs and dominate the run, and he did. And then he did that. Yeah, he did. And Puna Ford was was also dominant against the run. And then I thought that Quentin Jefferson and Rasheem Green played very nice snaps, being flexible inside and outside. They were mostly playing at end, but they played some at tackle too, and they provided uh, a lot of pressures. They occasionally got taken advantage of. But they provided uh, the types of snaps we need to see from players like them, where they came in and provided solid depth. But Puna Ford and Al Woods, the Rams clearly came out and wanted to establish a run with Todd Gurley. And the two of them went, eh, nah, we're good, dog. Yeah, um, Green got eight eight of his snaps on the inside in this game uh, versus, uh, what did he play, 40-something total? So mm-hmm. be 30 36 and then um quentin jefferson got 13 14 15 16 18 of his snaps on the inside in this game so both those guys i think the thing about um quentin jefferson and Shane green is that they have both developed into solid above average rotational guys and green flashes like literal brilliance every once in a while and i'm I'm kind of excited. I'm mean, maybe that project is going to start to bear real fruit because he looks every, like the guy I thought we drafted. I'm really excited. Every once in a while, Green he flashes like that Bennett level upside that we kind of thought he might grow into, and there it's coming. I think that the 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 dam is going to break for Green too. Other guys I wanted to me- make sure to mention: uh, Brandon Jackson got like 12 pass rush snaps and looked good on them, uh, and I, I think he's the guy who like hits the bench full time when uh, when. 
uh, Jaron Reed comes back, like there's just not room for him because that'll mean more more end snaps for Q, more end snaps for Regime and uh, Ansa. Not his best game, but had a really nice pass breakup, and then also just never quits on a play, which I think is like really super admirable. But that pass breakup, to get a pass breakup when you're put into coverage as a defensive end is. Um, He's longer than I that's thought. That's going to be, be. A, in the film room when they show that one. He's going to be patting himself on the back. I'll tell you what, because that is not something that you should have to do. And uh, do you know who he's covering on that play, Kevin? Uh, I'm trying to think. Was it was it like Robert Woods or something dumb? It was Cooper Cup. There you go. <laughs> Why was Ezekiel Ansa covering Cooper Cup? No one will know. But he broke up the pass because Ezekiel Ansa is. Like I said, he's an athletic not, freak. Too. He never quits. Like he does not quit on a play. He is like. The, Are you saying he's like Sister Christian? It's motoring. Yeah, I guess. All right. Um, one thing is, um, Bobby. I want to give Bobby Wagner note, just a red general Bobby Wagner note. Did a nice job. Three pressures. They brought him on a couple blitzes. He had two run stops, four tackles. But Bobby he was Wagner. Optimized by poor defensive scheme. Yeah, stop making him cover so much. He gave up a perfect passer rating on five targets. Like the, I just don't get why he's being asked to cover these guys. That honestly, like Bobby Wagner should not be out there. Are we but doing opposite? He's covering. He's now covering then? Cooper Cup. Three of the four receptions he gave up were to Cooper Cup. Why is Bobby Wagner covering Cooper Cup? I guess to play to devil's Cooper, advocate. Cooper Cup gonna... relearned how to run, Eric. He knows he runs one point five to two miles an hour faster than last year. <laughs> who uh, who are you gonna put on Cooper Cup? Uh, Jamar, Jamar Taylor, Taylor who did job is who did that? who did fine. That's in this the game. thing though. Jamar Taylor's targeted. The Rams times. the Rams have a lot of targets, and I think it's I don't know if it's obvious. You must have to run three defensive backs then. I think it's safe to say that the Seahawks do not have enough faith in their secondary to do that. They don't, but they need to start having faith because those guys aren't. I gonna, agree with that, hundred percent. Those guys aren't going to develop. But with our four-three scheme that we refuse to leave behind, now it's an issue of spite. I'm pretty sure with Pete Carroll, uh, we must always have three linebackers on the field, no matter what. Uh, I think there's a. I don't like it. I think there's just something about. We'll just put Bobby on him. It'll it will be fine. It's not gonna be good. It'll be fine. The thing okay. that bothers me in this game is we had Jared Goff, who was a doofy one idiot for four on passes over twenty yards downfield but from North Dakota. It's not nice. He wasn't taking the top making. off of a damn thing. Right, but he played good in this game. He like, played good, but everything was underneath, and you needed someone with lateral quickness in a way that a linebacker just can't follow a receiver. We got burned hard by Everett. Wait, did you say Jared Jared Goss from North Dakota? No, that was uh, Carson Wentz. Yeah, Jared Goss like the California boy through and through. Oh, I don't, dude. I don't know. I don't know these white quarterbacks. <laughs> Cal Berkeley. You guys are always talking about your college games, and I'm just, I'm just trying to live in your world. <laughs> your your game, anyway, your, as I your game days and, and your, you know, <laughs> let me tell you something about being stubborn. I learned this from Pete Carroll. Guess Facebooks what? He's from North chats. Dakota. Look it up. Pete Carroll? No. No, uh, Jared Pete Goff. I looked, I looked it up. I looked it up. He's no, 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 no. Don't, don't at me. I just want to move on. <laughs> Did you see the size of DJ Fluker's hamstring? Anyway. Um, you got to say it. You, after after the question breaks again, you got to say, ah, it's got to be a huge hamstring. Uh, spe- he's, he's, got a, he's got a knee. Special teams. Bember Kerbin got another tackle. Uh, Bember Kerbin leads the team in special oh, teams I tackles. I keep talking about defensive problems. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Okay. because We should put... Bember Kirvin in instead of Michael Kendricks. No, we should say? we should just put a third defensive back in because the I thing mean, is, <laughs> okay. So Kendrick allowed three catches on three targets. KJ allowed eight catches on eleven targets. Bobby allowed four catches on five targets. They came in with a plan: attack the guy, attack the linebacker who's covering a wide receiver, and it worked because their 
decent tight end, had seven catches on 11 target for 136 yards and averaged 19.4 yards. And their slot receiver went off also. Cooper Cup, I mean, he got targeted a million times, but he got nine catches. And Gerald Everett had, yeah, seven. Gerald Everett killed us. That's dumb. uh, Nobody should be getting killed by Gerald Everett. (laughs) Gerald Everett looked like an all-pro, seriously. Higby had three for 47, too. Like, their tight ends went off in this Yeah, their tight ends killed us because they were a matchup problem for the way that we employ our uh, linebackers. And so... Instead of looking at it as a pool of snaps for the slot and for Kendricks, it should start being a pool of snaps between KJ and Kendricks. With uh, It should take minimal number of snaps away from... like Even if we wanted to put Lionel Hill out there and have him be the linebacker-DB hybrid, that would still make more sense against the I types I think that's of what they want to do against. because they, I mean, they brought in Amadi to do something. And I think that's their long-term plan is they want like a hangover safety. But it needs to be their short-term plan because the thing is... You might want to talk about, oh, well, Kendricks is maybe an overall better talent. Well, what defensive back are you going to put in there that isn't going to give up a reception on every single target every time? You know, Kendricks just gives up the catch every time, and he isn't always making the tackles. So even if but he's a good black bl- but he's a good a blitzer. Talent, so then use him to blitz. Exactly. It's exactly what we had the with uh, That's our what linebacker I'm just last to, year. I'm trying to get in the head. Oh, yeah. No, I'm with you. I don't uh, know what it is about Kendricks, but I don't know if he's a scheme fit. New photos of John Schneider. That's <laughs> uh, Kevin's favorite. He's in, inside favorite his insider trading. He gave insider trading tips to Schneider, and he can take him down with him. Uh, <laughs> Shaquille Griffin, solid game. Uh, Trey Flowers, I thought was on the tape, solid. The PFF rating looks makes it look like a dumpster fire, but I think that it's just the missed tackles. He missed a couple tackles, and that really dumpsters your rating. I, I do thought think he was Shaquille Griffin had a fine. really good game, and one of his receptions... That Cooks catch down the sideline, he had perfect coverage. Like, that was a perfect yeah, ball you, placement and do? a great catch. You couldn't do anything about that. Yeah. I felt like he had an, another really good game. Uh, Chuck Griffin, uh, real NFL player. Shaquille Griffin, uh, watch. Uh, Eric, is Shaquille Griffin a number one NFL cornerback? No, no, but he's a two-plus. And last week, he was my player of the game. You asked me who my player of the game was this week. I kind of stumbled because I was like, I don't want to say Clowney. That's too easy. I almost picked Shaq again, but... I went with Tedrick and Redemption. But let's face it, Shaq Griffin is turning into the player we thought he'd be. Because if you really thought he was going to be a number one shutdown corner, that's not going to happen. That's <laughs> Richard Richard Sherman is a generational talent, okay? But as far as number one shutdown corners go, there's not really many in the league. And so Shaq is that next step down. And that's okay. That's great, in fact. If you had another Shaq on the other side, we would be damn near unstoppable. But number one shutdown, no. But he is he is very good, and I'm very happy for this season. Yeah, like Pro Bowl, not all pro. Yeah, there you go. That's great. All right. And he's uh, probably not going to make the Pro Bowl. Special. <laughs> now can I talk about special teams? Uh, yeah, because we talk about all three phases on this um, All right. Easy. Uh, ben Burkirvin, three tackles, doing his job. People are like, where's Ben Burkirvin? That's where. Uh, he's he's on special teams. He's specialing the teams. Doing, doing, his, doing his job. Good for, good for him. Um, and then... Uh, the the rest of the special teams was aggressively fine. Um, I mean, I'm a little disappointed that uh, Jason Myers uh, ever ever misses field goals with how much we're paying him. Because I'm just you know you got to make them all now. That's guy the, came off the edge pressure, really quickly. Pressure's on, big dog. What people do, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Dixon's far away, kind of. Dixon's uh, solid game, but I think like 
quietly something that turned the game was that punt that Dixon booted it out there and Amadi ran down there, covered it perfectly and downed it at the one. That field flip was a big part of the comeback that I think people forget. All right, uh, let's go preview to previewing next week's game. We get to place the Browns. We all watch the Browns play on Monday Night Football. It doesn't matter where your your uh, your co- your coverage is, uh, but but the um, the thing is, okay, he's got the Browns. They are playing like crap. Their left tackle is a dumpster fire. Uh, Baker Mayfield scrambles straight to the right, and everyone knows it now. Browns, not just a clever name. Um, so I just, it's just over. Browns are Browns are done. Everyone's out on the Browns now, and I don't like that feeling that we're heading into someone else's house, and they can do the whole, like, nobody believes in us thing. And, um, yeah, I don't like it. They took the spread off. They took the line off after about at like halftime of the 49ers game <laughs> they were like a uh, line off for a little bit and then now the line has stayed off because baker mayfield is questionable he's like shoulder Wait, in general or, or in this game i mean just in because he's pretty questionable if you've seen anything he does this just year. just in life but yeah he's he's questionable i'll be shocked if he doesn't play i thought they just pulled him because he was trash last night yeah thanks baker for the zero fantasy points this week i appreciate it so much was um, it the two interceptions of the fumble that really made you mad um, well, the fumble doesn't give me negative points anymore, so I guess just the interceptions. <laughs> um, Thanks for uh, the perverse. So yeah, I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm just ready for to to wash the wash Cleveland. We really need to. Honestly, I don't really care if we win this game or not. Like I hate to say that, but it's like in the scheme of things, it's relatively unimportant. I'd much rather like beat all the NFC teams that we play on the schedule because we get to play a lot of teams that I think we'll be competing pretty directly with at Falcons versus Buccaneers, at 49ers, at Eagles versus Vikings, at Rams, at Panthers. Those all seem like teams that are right in a row and are going to be in the race. If if we inexplicably drop this game, I'm going to try to keep a really level head about it because there's so many teams we're playing that we are just like directly in a in a battle with. So I, I just want to like try to keep a level head. But honestly... The way the Browns are playing right now, we should a hundred percent win this game. Okay, so with that, <laughs> let's let's circle the things that we know about the Browns and we know about the Seahawks. We're going to start slow. We're Ugh. going to play a defensive scheme we don't like. Nick the, Chubb's probably gonna run all over Nick us. Nick Chubb is probably gonna run all over us. Their offensive line is bad. We will not be able to get to Baker Baker Mayfield as much as we want to. It'll be harder than me trying to save Baker Mayfield with my dry cotton. Oh, mouth. one problem with that. Baker Mayfield is responsible for 11 of his own pressures and four of his own sacks this year. Yeah, he, uh, the difference between Baker Mayfield and a lot of other quarterbacks is Baker Mayfield will get Baker Mayfield sacked, which bodes well for our defense. He could definitely run into the pass rush. Odo Beckham Jr. will be open more in this game than he was last game. Yeah. So will Jarvis Landry. Uh, Freddie Kitchens is their head coach, though, so they're worried about getting out coached. I mean, yeah, that that's like the best comment I saw was that, like, um, that that uh, like last week Kyle Shanahan is like the principal teaching, you know, like he's like really really good, and uh, Freddie Kitchens is like that really trash substitute teacher, the one with the electric car that always shows you. <laughs> no, you guys, well, you want to go see my electric car? Who's seen a principal try and teach a classroom? That that analogy falls apart quick. But I don't know. My my principal is actually pretty decent, <laughs> but like because she came and taught lesson in my class once, and I was like, oh, it's pretty not bad. It's all right. right. It went, didn't go too bad. I, I have big lo- shouts. I had low expectations. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> but it actually went really good. Uh, so. Cleveland's left tackle and right guard. Cleveland's right guard is trash, hot trash. Uh, Eric Cush, 
um, which says that we should be able to get some interesting interior pressures. I could see Quentin Jefferson putting together a couple of sacks in this one. That would be really interesting to see. Uh, I worry about Miles Garrett. He's a top-tier pass rusher, and he's shown that. There's only one good player on their defense. Well, there's only one person who can cover it all on their defense, and that that's Greedy Williams. And he's hurt. He's been hurt for the last three weeks. So, yep. like, if Greedy Williams is healthy, yeah, I would worry about that because Greedy Williams is really good. He kind of is as advertised. Yep. Um, a little bit of a soft tackler, but really, really, really freaking good. Um, but the, the Otherwise, thing is, no one covers. Yeah, their their team is is bad across the board, I think, other than Miles Garrett. Sheldon, Sheldon Richardson's been all right. You know, not, like, great, but, like, a good run stuffer for them. Um, and I don't and know. I, actually, pass rush. I expect us to be able to move the ball kind of at will in this game. Um, just really be able to throw the ball over the place. Um be able to get like those five yard rushes we need from Carson that kind of stuff that just the normal stuff you expect the the it's going to be a shootout a little bit I'm, I'm kind of expecting what happened last week and the numbers are starting to bear this out with this thing that we've been saying kind of all season the offense overtaking the defense which is the offense has really overtaken the defense if you go look at our d our dvoa on uh, footballoutsiders.com which is a pretty good quick and dirty way to kind of compare teams Seattle's ninth right now and uh they're their offense is third and their defense is 22nd. And it's just that it's kind of how I feel about the team right now is that the the defense isn't fully healthy and we're seeing like Ansa's kind of come coming into it. Clowney is starting is to in, use uh, Goodell jail. Jaron Reed is in uh, yeah, he's in I talked bad to Rob, to Goodell one time. Um but really honestly, like the defense needs to progress if we're going to be a serious title contender and our offense is already good enough. Our offense is super good. But what have we always been able to see? November, December, he's usually able to start locking in the defense a lot more. Yeah. And that's one of the big difference makers. So I feel better about that coming Good around. Good call, Kevin. Cleveland's offensive DVOA is 29th, too. That's going to help. That's like a it's like a slump buster. You know, the, the guy who throws a million interceptions, you get to face him. Yep. Um, that That's the offensive line help. that allows a lot of pressures and lets you finish a lot of them. That's always good for us. I just think... This is the type of game where we're probably going to be able to move it really well. Do you mind if I go into scores, since that seems to be where we're heading? Um, sure. Uh, can we talk about the the team we're playing a little bit? Did you hear about this Baker Mayfield, uh, Richard Sherman handshake thing? I'm glad thing? you brought yes. this up. Where, where he said, like, he didn't shake my this hand. This is the most then, Baker Mayfield and Richard Sherman thing. This then, is like, the Baker, most Richard then they, Sherman then they, thing. Then they turned out, like, okay, they did shake hands, but Richard Sherman didn't like the way that he shook his hand or something. Yeah, he said, oh, <laughs> but he, he left too early. Y'all are making too much of a big deal about it. You're the one who brought it up, Richard. This is what I don't yeah, miss and, about and you. It's, it's it's straight up Barry Baker Mayfield week, right? Like everyone's bearing Baker Mayfield. Full disclosure, I played Eric in our like really like our I think our big fantasy league. Like we all care about this fantasy yeah, league a one. lot. And uh I played Eric this week and then going into Monday Night Football, I needed like eighteen points from Baker Mayfield plus Odell Beckham, and they got like combined four or something. Yeah. And it, it was, was mostly on Odell Beckham's throw. Yeah. <laughs> six points for Odell Beckham and Jr. To zero to from Baker quick, Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, six for twenty one on passes more than twenty yards downfield. And he has Odell Beckham Jr. on his team. Yeah. So they're not really throwing deep a ton, and when they are, they're really bad at it. Freddie, and they Freddie have Kitchens Beckham. sucks, dude. And this also might be a Baker Mayfield issue. Like he may not have the mental acumen to play quarterback. Is he the dirt cutter of Office of uh, head coaches, dude, just like Freddie Kitchens. Cutter, dude, we just talked like about this cutter. in our we talked about this in our previous our season preview podcast, right? Is that there's a chance that good chance that Freddie Kitchens is just not the guy, and he was the only reason they were good when he was the coach last year was because he was literally just not Hugh Jackson. Like it could have been action. anyone. Like it could have been anyone. He was just not Hugh Jackson, so he got like all of the goodwill from being not Hugh Jackson. He's the John McLaren of well, NFL great. coaches. That, that's cool. <laughs> it worked really good for like nine games, and now 
you're you have to start the season and you, the team you're bad. Your team sucks. Turns out you can't call an offense, uh, and also you're just not that good. Cleveland twenty sixth in DVOA. The only thing they're good at is their third in special teams because right. they're punter effing rules. He's so good. <laughs> And he has a cool mullet, and he's Scottish. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this guy is like maybe the only guy punter in the league that I think is even close to ours. Because our punter is Australian, super cool, and has an awesome name, Dixon. And okay. also doesn't know a ton about football. Uh, That's their, one of my favorite their things Their punter about him. is Scottish, has a mullet, and just looks freaking sweet. He looks like the kind of guy who was like in the movie Snatch selling dogs and yes. uh, caravans. That's that's Cleveland's punter. Hey, going he back was to the special teams player most likely to headbutt his own coach. That's 100% true. If they keep losing. I think that's just science. Hey, going back to the last <laughs> game with Dixon not knowing a lot about the game of football, did you see him move out of the way of the tackle that was coming his way on the final <laughs> punt of the game? Like he Dude, that was he punted great. and then he he just like shuffled like, "Oop, pardon me." Well, there have been a couple of times where you thought he was going to get blocked, and it's just like, all of a sudden the ball just comes flying out. It reminds me of, like, Barry Sanders running, where you're like, oh, he just ran into the back of the line. There's no, oh, wait, why is Barry Sanders 10 yards downfield? And so you'll see uh, the rush comes in, and you're like, oh, man, they're going to block this. Oh, never mind. I guess it's just going to sail 50 yards downfield. All right. Okay. Seems good. Um, All right. Let's get into scores. Now I'm ready. All right. All right. I'm going to go Seahawks 35 because we got to score more points than the 49ers did. And I'm going to go Cleveland 17. <laughs> I just I feel really confident right now. Their, their offense is firing on no cylinders, and I think it's going to be a nice slump buster for our defense. And they're going to really get after it, uh, create some turnovers. And I just – Freddie Kitchens just sucks. Like, that's that's my bigger takeaway from watching Brown, some Browns football last week. All right, Kevin. Okay. I'm happy to go if you want. No, we're good. Uh, I'm picking the most Seahawks thing ever. It's going to be 20 to 17 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And we're going to have one of those stupid, like, eight and a half minute drives and give them the ball back with, like, a minute 15 left and win 27 17 because we just, like, squeeze them like an anaconda for the last half of the game. So it won't be this huge blowout win, but it'll have just felt really secure the whole time. Like, this was the most inevitable outcome possible. Eric, 36-24 Seahawks. I'm feeling confident, like you said, Nathan, just because I don't know if the Browns can score more than 24 points. I think it's going to be mostly Nick Chubb and some stupid screen passes because we we love to give up the screen pass. Yeah, and Baker Mayfield, that may be all he has left. Okay. So you got you to gotta scheme around Baker Mayfield if you're coaching Baker Mayfield. A money zone. Um, if you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. Charlie, you should do this. Go to patreon.com slash Seahawks. Charlie's checkbook has lots of great defense. For a little as a dollar twenty-four a month, uh, you can get access to our Patreon feed and our, our group chat. Thanks, James, Chuck Attila, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Bob, Karen, Brett, Mike, David, uh, Flocktimus, Keith, Michelle, and Brian. You and can everyone listen else. to Brett oh, Frank. Of course, Frank and Nick, too. Yeah, you guys are all killing it, uh, helping us out. I love it. Um, the other thing. I was looking around, so I was like, I look, I've already read a bunch of iTunes reviews, and that's great. We have 85 or 80, 
some 85 five-star ratings, I think. Something crazy like that. You guys are awesome. Uh, but I looked at Stitcher. I said, oh, do we have any reviews on Stitcher? We have two. And I'm going to read one because it just made me laugh. It's a really long one. Okay, okay you ready? let's do it. Because it's by the Sour Gin a year ago. They did this a year ago. So thanks to the Sour Gin. It says, I've been a weekly listener of the Seahawks Nest for a couple of years. Early on, the audio quality was butt. <laughs> there were a couple <laughs> I love times, your honesty. There was a couple of times when I almost sorted out the highway because I had to crank up my radio to hear Eric and Kevin. Then Nathan would come in all hot and nearly blow my speakers. <laughs> that was the only issue I had with the show, which has been resolved since the 2017 season. So full disclosure, our old soundboard thing that we had was, was Brett's band soundboard yeah, from like 2003. And it was butt. It was butt. It was butt. butt is a great way to describe it. Was it was the Jermaine Effetti of soundboards. Okay, so the Seahawks Nest may not have the flashiest production. True, because I, um, I have a job. But their combination of entertaining content and analysis is unmatched by any other Seahawks podcast. It's a dedicated Seahawks fan. I appreciate the host's in-depth knowledge of my team. Beyond that, they also provide mostly objective commentary, except for Eric and Jermaine Effetti, on the rest of the NFL. Oh, I'm going, to, going to the X's and O's <laughs> just enough to back up their analysis without losing my attention. Some may be not be interested in the movie club that closed out each episode, but the host warned you in advance, and I end up listening most of the time because it's usually enjoyable. That's true. I try to put it at the end for a reason. I don't want you to listen to it. I listen to five Seahawks podcasts reg- regularly. I've been supporting another one for a couple of years, but recently realized that I've only listened to the first half of the show for some time now. Now I pledge to the Seahawks Nest and will continue to do so if they don't screw it up, which has been a year, so we probably did. Damn it. <laughs> God. Hey, this is why we don't do this part at the beginning of the podcast. We don't want to make you listen to it. <laughs> All right. We want uh, to con you into listening to it. Yeah, movie. I, I said this on when I went on Seahawkers. I said it's a good way for us to have a little fun, cut loose, let you guys kind of see our personalities, but also, uh, you know, pad the runtime. Okay. It was either this or food reviews. And <laughs> food uh, reviews, you just ha- it would only work for locals. Food reviews? Just um, makes us hungry. Let's, let's, I'm going to do a food review right now. Um, I tried that, like, toasted cheese uh, chalupa from Taco Bell. It's uh, it's exactly it like exactly what you expect. It's exactly what you expect. Yeah, it's fine. Like, is that okay? It's fine. It's is it good? I mean, I wouldn't say anything at Taco Bell is really good. I would say their breakfast is good for fast food breakfast. Um, I Hashtag qualifiers. Chick Chick Fil A spicy biscuit. The fact that we can get spicy at breakfast at the Chick Fil A in our town is uh, Chick Fil A is not fair though. Like that's yeah. you can't comp that to other fast food. Um, okay, so anyway, let's uh, let's get and back. What if I wanted on get back in your actual movie club. If you want it on Sunday, then you should have been at church, Kevin. Um, that's what that's what Chick Fil A says. Uh, okay, but church's chicken is gross. Um, it's the, watery. The uh, movie club we did was between two ferns. The movie, the um, ferns. And if I had to describe this movie in one sentence, I did it before the podcast started. I'd say it was like one of those Saturday Night Live movies, but slightly better. And then Kevin and Eric both disagreed. They don't well, think I it's just said that you better. should take the slightly better part off. I just think otherwise, it, I think it's fine. I just don't. I know Saturday Night Live movies suck. Superstar is really bad. I didn't yeah, disagree. I don't. Great. I don't really. I can't think of a good Saturday Night Live movie outside of maybe Wayne's World. And this and movie, Wayne's I think. And this movie was consistently yeah. entertaining. Uh, Wayne's World. Eric's is good. a big quirky Romano fan. Oof, gross. Oof. <laughs> he. Eric, I've never Eric, liked Chris. Eric, Eric, Eric before he tucks himself in at night, watches The Ladies Man every night. <sighs> man, I saw The Ladies Man in the theater, and I was like, Why didn't I walk out of this? You know, The Ladies Man does a solid one out of five. I did. Like that, I like did. that part where there, he makes some guy eat a pickled turd or something. Like, what the hell is going on in this movie? I especially like to thank for the chocolate de Cravathier that crashed outside my house. Okay, between anyway, two ferns. Let's stop talking about these really bad SNL movies, and, and let's, let's talk about this really bad movie. I don't think it's really bad. <laughs> I, gave, I gave it. I think I would give it a three out of five. I, I mean, it's it's solidly, slightly above average to me. Lots of like really good dumb jokes. It's very dumb. 
I mean, it's the same. It's kind of like an, they took an episode. They're like, hey, what's what could we do with 20 straight episodes of Between Two Ferns and then put like a seed story in between it? Because it's all the same stuff as Between Two Ferns where he makes like awkward roast jokes to a bunch of different actors over Nathan, and over. Nathan, have you ever seen a chicken strip? That was funny to me. I've never seen a chicken strip. Lauren Lapkus is just funny in this movie in general. That part clothes. where she's on the boat and he's using the hot dogs to fish and then she's like, I just I just don't want to play the trumpet because what if I'm too good at it? Yes. <laughs> And then she gets out the trumpet and she's like, just she's really bad. She's pretty bad, and and you know, but she never played trumpet before, so it's actually pretty good for someone who's never played the trumpet before. And then Zach Galifianakis is just like, you play that trumpet, or like that. There's like there's a decent throwaway gags in the like the connector scenes, like the one where the the people who are filming the documentary for them, there's like never stop filming. Yeah, never stop filming. But film this. So film this. Yes, film this. Let's do it again. <laughs> he like walks back to the door, and then he's like, "Does he starts yelling? You never stop filming." And then she's like, "What?" And he's like, "Terrible acting." <laughs> Try like, it again from the top. That stuff is just so stupid to me and funny. I also like at the end when he they figure out there's a student film, but he wasn't paying attention when she said that, so he didn't realize it. <laughs> or what about when they they're fixing the plumbing and they're like, "Someone's been stuffing these stained uh, panty liners into the into the pipes," and he's like. Just sweating it. <laughs> so uh, funny. I, I want to say this was... I don't know about so funny, but it's definitely a joke they made. Almost a return to form for Will Ferrell and his ridiculousness. Oh my gosh, he's over the top in this I movie. felt like you he was... You killed Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, well, he's not dead, but you know, he was he just died for, like, for a minute there. For like 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, Will Ferrell playing himself a a, uh, a fictional version of himself, maybe. <laughs> a coked out version of himself. Yeah, he was, he was fun. He was maybe my favorite part of the movie. Okay. And when he kept getting out that click counter... These are my clicks. I need the clicks. <laughs> so, uh, should I? I'll, I'm going to run down my favorite parts, just okay. and it's in chronological order because I wrote them down as it happened in the movie. Um, the David Letterman interview was yeah. was very funny. Um, there were a number of jokes on there. I uh, uh, when he's giving him crap about um, his show being called Between Two Ferns, he's yeah. like, "It was called The Late Show. It's dark outside. We knew it was late." It's like, well, what if what would happen if you got a third fern? What would you do? It's like, I never thought of that. That's a good question. He's like, yeah, I, I have good questions sometimes. Um, the Chrissy Teigen joke where he's asking how she became a supermodel. Yeah. And she's like, somebody just showed up one day with a box and there was a button on the side. And they said, uh, if you press it, something good will happen, but it'll kill someone. And the next day, Mr. Rogers no, died and your, I became a supermodel. All your dreams will come true. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which was the dumbest joke. It was such a bad throwaway joke, but it was so funny to me. Um, yeah, lots of flat, boring stretches in there. The John Legend interview was so good, though. It was so awkwardly tense. That was well done. John Legend with a with his star debut did, did that a good job. Like, like, yeah, he did. he was like showed some comedic acting chops. I agree, Eric. Uh, I thought the Foster beer Foster kids joke mm-hmm. was darkly perfect. Yeah, and I, I just like that Tiffany had it. She did a good job there. Just like, I, I, I would have such a hard time not cracking <laughs> the whole time he's doing this. Because, you know, you know what's going on. So it's like, just like, how do you keep a straight face when he says something so ridiculous this like is, that? This is a time for our uh, our product placement. Can you just look in that camera and say, Fosta Bia for Fosta Kids. <laughs> it was too much. Um, the scene where he's driving and doing everything except looking at the road was intensely stressful for me in an uncomfortable way. And... I felt I felt awful the entire time. It was it was not a life experience I enjoyed, um, okay. and I felt like the funniest part of the movie was the end credits. 
with all the scenes where everyone laughed and they couldn't actually keep them in. Good so, old cannonball run ending for Kevin. Yeah, yep. well, I mean, that, they was, did, that was my, that, that was I the th- best part of the movie. I feel like that 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 was a really good part of the movie, though. Like that, there's because that's the whole thing. There were like, so many this, jokes in there that were funny, and I understand why they didn't keep them and why they couldn't. Like the B roll on this movie was arguably better than the A roll in some ways. Just for laugh for laugh. Obviously, it's not a movie, but like laugh for laugh, the B roll is amazing. Well, another thing too is about the way they filmed this movie. Most likely is that there's probably so many jokes on the cutting room floor that are good, because you know, cause him they, and Bradley Cooper, because he just, just does, dying together, because he just does a bunch of things over and over. You know, like and then that, do you think you open the door for hot idiots? No, John Ham. That John. That John, John Ham. Yeah. yeah, that John Ham thing was so funny. It's a. Uh, he's like, yeah, that joke he made where he's like Bradley Cooper. He's like, Bradley Cooper has now written, directed, and won an Oscar for A Star Is Born. Uh, do you think he's opened the door for other hot idiots? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah, that, I don't know. I just like I like Between Two Ferns, so I think it predisposed me to liking this movie because it's very similar to the kind of the the, the tone and uh, the jokes are exactly the same, basically. But uh, I never sat watching Between Two Ferns and went, you know what? I wish this was an hour and a half. And I guess that's the discrepancy between our ratings because yeah. I put it like a two or a two and a half. But the parts that hit for me, I laughed really hard. It's just there were a lot of parts where I was not laughing at all. Eric, what do you think? Uh, you guys have summed it up. It's got its moments. Uh, you know, Kevin, to answer your question before the podcast started, between two ferns, bang, bang average. average. Yeah, it's it was enjoyable enough. I was going to watch it before this podcast. It was definitely something that I, I was working on something while having that on in the background, still being able to watch it and not miss a thing. The, the super stupid comedy that Zach wasn't doing, the surrounding cast, I was less interested than you, Nathan. That was like your... That was your thing. You really like that. I was there for the star power. I wanted Galifianaki and Will Ferrell to do their thing, and they did. I do think the running gag where the uh, the one uh, girl keeps turning down the celebrities that aren't asking her out was pretty funny. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That boom boom? Yeah. Yeah, she was really funny. and Like, uh, no, no, never going to happen. <laughs> She's like, nothing's better than turning down a celebrity. What a rush. <laughs> This is pretty funny. All right. Uh, I think that's it. Watch this movie. Tell us what you think. Um, I don't think any of us thought it was, like, great. I, I would say we've run the gamut of... It was of worth having watched. Average to slightly above average. Um, if for, this is your favorite movie, you may be Zach Galifianakis. And it's free on Netflix, so it's worth the price of admission. Yeah. I also want really want it to do good because I like Scott Ackerman, the director. I think he's really funny. Uh, Comedy Bing Bong is a really good podcast. So, uh, for Kevin and Garber, for Eric Kronemek, we will see you next week. Go Hawks. Good time, bro.